0: Please stand and worship with us.
1: A video jail so I could be here with you live and in person this morning. So I'm so excited to see you all. We are very happy that tonight is the night. For weeks we've been telling you about all of the mission opportunities that we have going out of pits this summer. Tonight is your night now to come get all the details you need so that you can make decisions on which trip or trips you want to join us on this summer. So we're going to start right here at five o'clock for a brief meeting and then we're going to walk together over to the core where we're going to break out into small groups. Every trip is going to be doing a a small group, and we're going to do those twice, so that you will have two opportunities to hear about any two trips that you choose. Excuse me. Uh, When you get in there, you're going to get all the details, so we're going to ask you to sign up. Um, It's not your drop dead date. You do have a little bit of time to make a final decision, but it's important to us to get a good idea of who's going to join us this summer. Uh, we have been very aggressive in putting together a lot of trips, as you've heard about. But if we're going to be able to make those trips happen, we need you to join us. We can't go to Paris and tell them that we're going to be their team to support everyone and show up with two people. We can't go to Soldatna to do a big construction project and take two or three people. It doesn't work that way. <clears throat> so if we're going to make these trips happen, it's going to largely depend on you coming. Now, this would be a good time to remind you of the Harvest Fund. You know, once a year we have a big drive to raise money for the Harvest Fund, and that money 100% exclusively goes to send our people out on the mission field every summer. So when you get over there tonight, you'll see that. The actual cost of the trip, how much the Harvest Fund is uh, assisting you with that trip, and then your net cost. And college students, if you are interested in doing a trip, but you think, I'm a poor full-time college student, I don't have any money, The Harvest Fund is there for you, too, and actually gives a little bit of a greater percentage for you. So if you are interested, you should come here. It may be more affordable than you think. And parents, if you've got college students that are out of town and can't join us tonight, maybe you can come and stand in their place so you can report back to them, and maybe they'd like to come with us. So to those that have faithfully given to the Harvest Fund, thank you. You are making it more affordable and easier for people to say yes to going. So you have answered the call to give, and now many of you need to answer the call to go. So a lot of you have told me over the years, one of these years, I'm going to join you on one of those trips. This is one of those years. And I hope to see you at 5 o'clock.
2: Thank you, Miss Janet. And thank you to our church and your faithfulness and giving. I'm going to leave some of the end-of-year uh, giving reports to pastor to share some of those things with you. Uh, but thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Um, what a, what a, a giving church, Pitts Baptist, has always been through the years and we thank you for that but be looking forward to tonight you know um it's it's amazing to me when you commit yourself to go to missions how god makes it all work out for the money to be there and the support you think well i just can't raise x amount of dollars you'll be shocked that if you answer the call that god will make the way and so you come hear that tonight at five o'clock uh be a part of missions and there's all different levels of missions too there's there's trips that are a lot easier Uh, going to kinston is going to be a lot easier than going to malawi uh, africa and so there's all different ranges of uh, abilities and needs so you come and hear those tonight we do want to welcome all of our guests that are with us uh, this morning thank you for choosing to come and be a part of worship there's a care card that's located in the pew rack there in front of you if you would please take one of those and fill out your information we want to at least send you something from our church and thank you for being with us On the back of that card for everyone is a place for you to fill in prayer requests. If there's information that you would like to have, uh, requests from the church, you can actually check those. And as you leave today, there are two giving boxes on either side of the double door. Uh, You can drop those there, and then we'll make sure to get those to the right people and be praying for you. And also, I want to draw your attention to the QR code. If you have your phone, you can take that out for a moment. And pull up your camera and pull up that link, and you'll get all of the, the Friday blasts. Give you an opportunity to sign up too for our Friday email blast that gives you all the details of the events that are coming up uh, for our church. So, I want to encourage you to get that and sign up for that. A couple of things to mention we do have our initial committee meetings next Sunday at 5 o'clock. Our greeters will be meeting in, in Core E14, the core building. Uh, the decorating committee will be meeting in the core cafe our safety committee will be meeting in the activity room uh, our recreation committee uh, will be in core e12 but they'll start at 5:30. and then the personnel committee will be in the c building conference room and then the fellowship committee will be in the core kitchen uh, some of you may be new to those committees it's kind of initial time to make sure we have a, a chairperson in each one of those and talk about objectives throughout the year so you kind of know what's going on and can be a part of that so uh come and we'll mention those again next sunday where those meet But that's next sunday at five our men's basketball league starts back on monday uh, february the 5th it's for ages 16 and up you can sign up in the core or worship center lobbies the deadline to sign up for that is january the 29th what an awesome outreach that that is to bring folks in our area in to play basketball uh, I referee. I don't play anymore. I'm too old, and I'm equally bad on both ends when I ref. I just tell them that right up front, uh, but we do have a great time and uh, doing some different things this year to help out with discipleship uh, of those folks that are coming, and so you come be a part. We have, always have needs for helpers with coaching, with uh, keeping stats and the, uh, the, the records and the uh, scoreboards, so if you're interested in helping out with that, just see Kevin Knight. Uh, And we would love to have you help. If you want a referee, come do that. We'd love to have a few more of those. Baptist Men's Day is Sunday, January 29th. It is actually the 90th anniversary of the Baptist Men organization. And we would love to have 90 men. We're going to try to put this challenge out. 90 men in the choir loft that day for our choir number. So if you're a man and you're here, we're going to be coming after you to get you up there. Um, come make a joyful noise with us Uh, Jonathan will have uh, the music ready it'll be a song that you probably know uh, a very simple one would love to have 90 men up there to commemorate that Uh, and again it'll be a familiar song our family retreat is right around the corner to Teen Valley Ranch that's always a great time it's March 15th through the 17th if you'll see a man a Christian to sign up a $50 deposit is due by February the 18th that's always a great time I'll tell you TVR has some great food. It could be a camp. Whew, you go up there, they've got great food. But anyway, uh, we have collected almost 70, 73000 of our $85,000 goal for our Loudy Moon Christmas offering goal. All of the funds that we collect for that uh, go to our international missionaries, and we leave that open through the end of January. So if you haven't had a chance to give or would like to give a little bit more to reach that goal, uh, do that by the end of the month. We appreciate, again, your giving. We're in week six of our Master Life Together Bible study for our community groups. We have been talking about how God connects to our soul, specifically this week connecting to our emotions. Uh, We are created in the image of God. This makes us different from the rest of the animals, and God connects with us through our emotions. Our verse this week is James 4.8. If that's up on the board, we'll put that. Let's say that together. Would you say it with me? Come near to God, and he will come near to you. James 4, 8. Thank you for your continued study in that. I know Pastor has a message for us this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Take just a moment to bow your heads and silently just go before the Lord. Maybe there's some needs, some things in your life that you need to ask him or talk to him about. And then just ask him to bless this time together, and I'll pray out loud in just a moment. Let's pray together silently. god we do thank you for this opportunity to come to this building to meet with your people with your church god and god we thank you that you want to know us intimately as we've studied this week and we'll hear more of in just a moment from our pastor god we thank you that you have not just set things in motion and walked away and let it happen god you want to be part of our lives each and every day You want to be a part of the decisions that we make the things that we we do where we go the way we we love other people god you want to be a part of all of that and i pray we would be willing to open up our hearts to you and our minds to you god that we would uh, draw close to you uh, and that uh, in turn you would draw close to us god we do pray for the needs that are represented in this room you've heard silent prayers that have already gone up this morning and God, I pray you give us wisdom in each of those situations to know what we need to do and maybe to just be still and allow you to work, God. I pray you just give us wisdom. Be with Jonathan and Laura as they're away from us this weekend, God. Give them some restful time away on vacation. God, we do uh, just ask that you would bless this service. Be with Pastor Scott and those that are singing. God, that everything that we do this morning would bring you honor and glory. And we ask all of these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said,
0: amen. Please stand and worship with us.
3: Appreciate our young people uh, helping us today in Jonathan's absence, as Kevin mentioned. Uh, he's on vacation, but uh, sort of a working vacation. I'm sure he wishes he were here because I think he's helping his daughter move. So he's uh, probably breaking his back a little bit. But anyway, find Psalm 42 in your copy of the scripture, please. We're looking this morning at the subject matter. Loving God through and in spite of emotions. We're finishing up week week six in our Master Life uh, series. I trust that that's going good in your individual time. And uh, we'll be looking at Psalm 42 today. And also later on in the message, under the third point, we'll be venturing into Psalm 43. Because in Hebrew scrolls, the two Psalms are actually together as one. And uh, the structure of Psalm 42 actually continues into 43 and is present there. So we'll be looking at some of 43 later on in the context of the message. I do want to encourage you to be here tonight for the mission meeting. And uh, also, as Pastor Seeger said, thank you for your giving. I know at the end of November when I addressed uh, giving in the church at our budget presentation, we were probably about... Little more than $150,000 behind in our budget at that point. Going into December, I'm happy to say that we closed the year about a hundred and close to $140,000 uh, to the good in the black. So a tremendous swing, almost a $300,000 swing just in the month of December. And so, thank you for your very strong giving. And I do want to remind you that our Lottie Moon uh, giving continues through the end of January. And every dollar we give goes to our international uh, missionaries, two of uh, whom come out of our church, two young people, uh, on dangerous fields in Asia, certain parts of Asia, that we don't even broadcast where they are. And so let's continue to press ahead and meet our goal and exceed our goal. And we trust that you will do that above and beyond as you always do. I'm going to invite you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word, please. Psalm 42. And we'll read uh, Psalm 42 in its entirety. This begins Book 2 in the book of Psalms. Uh, And it's to the choir master, a mascal of the sons of Kor. And I'll have more to say about that in a moment. It says, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng or the masses and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise. A multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? A prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all the day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down on my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God. For I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Father, I pray that you would speak to us today through your word. As the Bible says in Revelation 2 and 3, that he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. God, give us insight. And we thank you for the steadfast trust that we will see in this psalm that the psalmist ended up with. As he looked at his circumstances and looked at his enemies, his heart felt in such despair. And yet when his eyes were directed back to you, his faith and his hope in you was restored. Lord, we thank you for the way that you work in our lives. We don't always understand it. And oftentimes, we may not even like what you're doing at a particular juncture in our lives. But Lord, help us to trust you. And no matter what, to submit to you, to surrender to you, and to serve you. God, I pray that you would use my words today. Direct my thoughts and again, may your Holy Spirit be pleased to use this message to be a tremendous encouragement in somebody's life here today. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, folks, emotions are not bad. Emotions are not bad. Let's remember Jesus expressed emotions. In Luke chapter 19, he wept over Jerusalem because he knew what was going to happen to them in 70 AD when the Romans would come in and destroy the city and many of them would lose their very lives. In John chapter 11, Jesus stood at the tomb of his friend Lazarus and he wept. In Isaiah 53, the Bible tells us that the Messiah is acquainted with all of our griefs and all of our sorrows. We see Moses crying out to God in frustration and at one point uh, even asking God out of despair that God would erase him out of his book. You read through many of the Psalms, the Psalms of David in particular, and you have to come to the conclusion, perhaps in David's life, that oftentimes he went through very deep valleys of depression. In Isaiah 9, we're told that the Messiah will be the Prince of Peace. The one who brings lasting peace into our lives. In 2 Corinthians 1, we're told that God is the God of all comfort who comforts us. And so we see all of these expressions of emotions through the Bible, both the Old and the New Testament. Emotions are something that are very much a part of the human experience and the human makeup. And we all run the gamut of emotions. There's joy, there's laughter, there's mourning, there's grief, there's, there's pleasure. As Paul says to Timothy, God gives us all good things to enjoy. So there's pleasure in life that we experience. There's trouble. There's worry and anxiety. There's burdens that we bear. And there's peace and contentment that we experience. Emotions. But folks, what we've got to be very cautious about is allowing our emotions to control us. And you know, that's what we're seeing in society today. On the roads, people are angry and frustrated. So what do some people do? They, they, they take out a gun and they start to shoot in cases of road rage. I mean, it's absolutely nuts. It's, it's insane. In depression, people lose hope to the point that some people end up taking their very lives. Others do things out of emotion in rash moments that they live the rest of their lives regretting. And so we know that our emotions have to be held in check. And as we'll see later today, they have to be held in check by God's truth. Our emotions have to be under the lordship of Jesus Christ. And this is somewhere, this is an area where we're finding our culture today absolutely falling apart. Sixty years ago, we started telling young people that there's no God. You're the product of chance. You're just the product of evolution. And, And prayer and Bible reading were taken out of the schools. The foundation was taken away. And so now for more than 60 years, there's been an atheistic philosophy at work in our culture. Now admittedly, that's a little bit overly simplistic. It's more complex than that and it's gone on for a lot longer than that and in a lot more countries than just in America. In fact I think we could safely say in modern history anyway it goes all the way back to the days of the enlightenment. But everywhere today we are seeing the fruit of the seeds that we have sown as a culture. And so, God and God's truth have either been pushed out or at least pushed back to the back burner and ignored. When the foundations have been destroyed, there's nothing left but human psychology to try to temper human emotions and make sense of them. And yet, human psychology can't do that fully, it has its own limitations. And so again, what we're seeing today, we're seeing a society without any filters and without any foundation. In marriages, individuals define matters simply according to personal happiness. Am I happy? We join clubs, we join churches, we join teams. And instead of God's truth being the foundation, things are measured in terms of how does it make me feel at the current moment. And so it's no wonder we're seeing happen some of what's happening. Now, you may wonder where I'm going with all of this. And the answer to that would be Psalm 42. Because the psalmist is communicating all of these emotions. But where do his emotions lead him? His emotions lead him back to God and to God's truth. He falls back upon the character of God and the word of God to temper his emotions and to direct his emotions. And so I think he becomes a wonderful example to us in what we're to do with the emotions that we're feeling in our lives, especially when we're not feeling very good, when we're depressed, when we feel like everything in the world is against us. I think this psalm has a great deal to say to us about how we are to respond. The first thing I want you to notice with me today is an expression of deep heartfelt desire and longing he says as a deer pants for flowing streams so pants my soul for you O god my soul thirst for god for the living god when shall i come and appear before god my tears have been my food day and night while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with a throng and lead them in procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. First of all, I want you to notice the, uh, the title of the psalm. We're told it is a mascal of the sons of Korah. Now, we remember Korah in a negative way, of course, from the book of Numbers, number 16. Uh, Korah led a rebellion against Moses. And we know what happened there. God opened the ground and swallowed him up along with all of those who had joined in with him. But his sons, the sons of Korah, were part of the Levites who would lead in worship specifically in the area of music. And the sons of Korah were apparently godly men. And so we have an ungodly father with godly sons. And we see that sometimes in scripture, don't we? We'll see a godly father with ungodly sons or we'll see an ungodly father with with godly sons. It works both ways. Well, the sons of Korah are godly men, and they're helping Israel in in its worship. They're leading worship. Specifically in in musical instruments and in songs and in praises. And they're leading in worship through a maskell. A maskell is a teaching song. Teachers today, especially teachers with young children, will tell you how much children can learn through music. And in the church, children can learn through music. There there are songs that help teach children the the basic principles and the doctrines of the faith. It's a wonderful teaching tool. And that's what a mascal psalm was. It was a teaching tool. And so in a a teaching song here, the sons of Korah are expressing a deep emotional longing to once again be able to take part with the people of God in worship at the temple. Now on a side note here, just so I don't confuse you as we go through the song. Sometimes you'll hear me say they, referring to the sons of Korah. But you'll also hear me say him or the psalmist because it's by the sons of Korah. But you'll notice how it's also given to the, to the director, to the choir master. So I'll say they and him both. Just don't be confused by that. But what's being expressed in this psalm is the feeling of a lack of contentment. It's, a, it's an unmet desire. It's, it's a longing in their hearts. They're they're seeking God. They're seeking God through the experience of corporate worship. They're longing for that once again. And they're not experiencing it. They're coming up short. They're struggling to, to find God. Now we're not given the historical details. But it's believed that this might be a psalm... ...that was referring to when the people of God were away from Jerusalem. They were in exile... In Babylon. That's one possibility, and let's run with that one for a moment. If that's the historical setting, that means they're in a pagan land. They're a long ways away from their homeland. They're a long ways away from the temple. They're a long ways away from that place in their homeland where they would go with their brothers and sisters in the faith, and collectively together, they would worship God and sing his praises. You know when we read some of the prophets uh, and, and we find out about temple worship and how the prophets would would chastise the people because they were going to the temple and, and what they were doing there they were saying all the right words and all the right expressions but their hearts weren't in it and their lives were showing that their hearts weren't in it. We might, we might come to the conclusion that that's what worship in Israel had become for everybody and we would be wrong in, in that conclusion because some people had continued to go to worship and 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 it was one of the core foundations of their lives they loved going up to the temple they they loved praising god they loved meeting with the people of god there and they loved hearing the instruction and the torah the law of god and hebrew worship was way more expressive most of the time than our worship tends to be And for many of them, being away from their homeland, being in exile, being in captivity, being away from the temple was like being in a spiritual wasteland. They're distraught. And they feel so distant from God. And they feel like God is so distant from them. God, where are you? Where are you, God? I'm crying out to you, God. Where are you? Have you ever been there? Have you you ever felt anything like that? Have you ever been going through something in your life, some experience in your life, maybe some trial or challenge in your life, and you're trying to seek God, but it just doesn't seem like it's happening in your life. It seems like you can't find God. You're you're praying, and your prayers are going up to the ceiling and crashing back down. You're you're longing for God. You, You want a fresh experience with Him, and yet you feel like you're in a spiritual drought, a spiritual wasteland. And there's just no connection with God anymore in your life. Probably all of us have felt that way at some point in our lives. And that's what they're feeling here in Psalm 42. They're in a distant land and they're also feeling distant from God. At a time period in their lives when they felt like they needed him the most, he wasn't there. They're longing for Him. They're crying out to Him. But it just seems like it's all in vain. To the point in verse 3, He says, My tears have been my food day and night. Crying on your bed. Crying out to God. And the heavens are silent. Where's God? That's the emotion behind this psalm. And if that's not bad enough, just when the psalm is expressing that kind of deep emotion of of depression and despair, he points out that at the precise moment he's feeling this way, their enemies are mocking him. Huh, where's your God? You say you're the people of God? Where is your God? He's not delivered. He hadn't kept you safe from falling in dire hands. Where is your God? Your God's not there. He's not alive. Your God's dead. Your God can't help you. That's what their enemies are heaping on them. And again, maybe that's been your emotion at some point. You want God, you try to seek him, you just don't feel his presence. And there may even be people around you saying, why in the world are you a Christian? In other words, at the very moment, you're feeling the lowest in your spiritual life. You're getting no encouragement from people around you whatsoever. And so the psalmist at this point, I mean, he he feels like his, his chin's dragging the ground. And and sadly, you know, there are too many people that just stay there and and they wallow in that. They wallow in this kind of misery. And emotionally, they, they feel all alone. They feel that nobody cares, that not even God cares. And I think for people who stay there and wallow in that, this is when many end up pulling away from God. And what we're seeing today, some people even deciding to end their their very lives. Folks, this is why in the church we're told that we need to be a part of the family of God. And we need to come to church with an attitude of encouraging other people. Don't come to church just for yourself. You never know what the people sitting around you are experiencing, you never know the deep trials they're going through. The spiritual wasteland they may feel like they're living in at, at this very moment. You just don't know. And some of those people who are feeling that way, they're getting absolutely, they may be getting absolutely no encouragement whatsoever at home, at work, at school. Anywhere. No encouragement at all. You know, chances are you sat in community group this morning. Somebody in that very situation. They're discouraged. They're alone. And they're feeling distant from God and disconnected from everybody and everything. And they're being bombarded with criticism and discouragement and mockery. I think of all the one another commands we find in the Bible. You you say, what do you mean by that? That we're to pray for one another. We're to uplift one another. We're to encourage one another. The book of Romans tells us even we're to weep with one another. Weep with those who weep. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Do Do a study sometime. I challenge you to do that. All of the one another commands in the Bible. Folks, we are not created to be solitary people. You were born into a family, you have a church family. Why? Because emotionally we need each other. We need other people. It's no wonder in Genesis 2, 18, God looked at Adam and God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And and so I'll create a helpmate for him and God created Eve. It's not good to be alone. One of the leading causes or, or signs of depression. They're, they're even saying now, I don't know if you've been reading some of the articles lately, one of the one of the red flag signs now of somebody maybe maybe encroaching upon uh, years of dementia. One, one of the danger signs is people who begin to socially isolate themselves from everybody. They just Pull back. Pull back from family. Pull back from society. Pull back from church. They isolate themselves. That's one of the 15 danger signs of somebody who may even be headed towards uh, dementia. We're not created to be isolated from one another. And you know what? That's why in the Bible too, as believers, we, we just don't follow Christ by ourselves. Yeah, you've got to pick up your cross and deny yourself and follow after Christ. There's the commands of God upon you, what you've got to do. But in the Bible, there's so much emphasis on being a part of a body, a family, corporate worship. We need one another. Sometimes in visiting shut-ins in the church, a shut-in will say to me, Pastor, other than just my physical ailments that I'm going through, you know what I miss the most? I miss not being able to go to church. I miss that. That's the longing, that's the desire that we're seeing expressed in the first four verses of this psalm. That's the very kind of thing He's communicating here. Second thing I want you to see is regaining perspective. Regaining perspective. Pick up reading with me again in verse 5. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waters, all your breakers and your waves have gone over me by day the Lord commands his steadfast love and at night his song is with me a prayer to the God of my life you know what he starts doing here he starts talking to himself you ever talk to yourself just don't answer back right but seriously that's what he's doing here he starts talking to himself And and sometimes we need to do that. But in talking to himself, you know what he's doing? He's reminding himself of God and the promises of God. He's telling himself, you need to get out of this funk that you're in. You need to look to God. You need to put your hope in God. Pull yourself together. Come on, man, look to God. That's what he's telling himself he says things aren't over soul you know things aren't over I will yet praise him I will yet praise him in other words this isn't the final chapter in my life this isn't the final chapter in the lives of my people my nation will yet praise him again he's my savior and my God And and, and you know what? In all of this too, he's reminding himself he's not alone. He's not without hope. God is there. God's with him even in the distant land. Just because you may not feel God's presence doesn't mean that he's not there. Remember David in Psalm 139? Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I go from your presence? If I go that way or that way or that way or that way... God, you're there. You're everywhere. Jesus told his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you. I will not forsake you. In other words, you're not alone. God's there. God sees. He cares. And things aren't done yet. If the exile happens to be the setting, remember what God said to him through Jeremiah 29, 11. God said, I know the plans I have for you, plans for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And so God was telling them, yes, you're going into exile for 70 years. It's a time of discipline. It's a time of, of punishment. But I've got a purpose in it. I'm going to be with you and I'm going to be accomplishing my purposes and I'm going to bring you back and give you a future and a hope. Maybe you're going through a tough time and and emotionally you're pretty bummed out. But what what might God have in the future for you? Why might have and why why might he have you where he has you right now? Why are you going through this valley? Why are you in this spiritual spiritual desert and wasteland? He's a purposeful God and he has reasons even when you and I don't see those reasons. What's he trying to show you? Folks, we've got to remind ourselves of this sometimes and we've got to to preach to ourselves. Sort of in an Old Testament way, he's preaching the gospel to himself. Sometimes you've got to Remind yourself of the gospel. Preach the gospel to yourself. And remind yourself of the character of God and the goodness of God and the work of God. In other words, we need to regain perspective as believers. Regaining perspective. Is that what somebody here this morning needs to do? Regain perspective. You're not alone. God's not distant. He is at work in your life. He is doing things. Day 5 this week. Remember what, what we went over in day 5? Psalm 73. Boy, there's somebody who, who needed to regain perspective and he did. Remember Psalm? I said Psalm 75. Didn't I? I meant Psalm 73. Remember Psalm 73? The psalmist says there, in vain I have kept my heart pure. In vain I have tried to be righteous and live for God. I look at the world, I look at the evil people there, I look at what all they're doing out in the world, and and you know what? He says, they don't have any troubles, they're not suffering. They're not going through tough times. They're not going through challenges. They seem pretty happy go lucky. They seem like they've kind of got it made. Maybe my faith is useless. Maybe it's in vain. Why have I been trying to serve God and worship Him and live for Him? But do you remember what He said He did? He said, but then I went into the house of the Lord and I understood their end. You've set them on slippery places. In other words, he's saying there is a day of judgment, horrible judgment coming for the wicked. And he allows God to correct his thinking. He regains a biblical Perspective. And that's what the psalmist is doing here, likewise in Psalm 42. In Psalm 42, 7, he he says here, the the waters are like waves that have crashed in over him and, and overwhelmed him. That's how he feels. That's how he feels. Be in waters where all of a sudden waters just keep crashing in upon you and overwhelming you like you're going to drown. But then he goes on to say the Lord's love is with him by day and by night. and God's still with him. He's not alone. And so what's he say he ends up doing? He ends up praying to God. When you're like this emotionally... You not only need to regain perspective and preach the gospel to yourself. Reminding yourself that your hope can only be in God. And he's not done with you yet. But you also need to pray the way he's doing in verse 8. You say, Pastor, when I feel that way though, prayer is the last thing I feel like. I know it's the last thing you feel like doing. I understand that. But nonetheless, it's the first thing you need to do. When you're feeling like he's feeling here, you need to pray. Keep praying. Look look at the movement of this song, how how it kind of journeys along. Verse 7 here, he's overwhelmed. Verse 8. God's the answer, he's saying. God's truth, God's love. It's steadfast, it never fails. And when he lets this sink in, he says, At night you can have a song in your heart that turns to prayer. Isn't that great? Remember what Paul said over in Philippians chapter 4? Paul said do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You need to pray even when you don't feel like it. Some of you here today need to regain perspective on over things in your life if you only look at what is going on for the moment and you stay there you focus there you're gonna miss what God is doing you need to step back and you need to ask yourself in the words of this psalm, why my soul are you downcast why are you so disturbed within me and as he goes on to say you need to say, I will yet praise him. It's not over. He's saying this in the final chapter. It's not over. It's not over. Folks, just think about the world right now. Look at all the mess going on in the world. Is it over? No, just for Pete's sake, just read the end of the book. It's not over. Whatever low spot you're in right now, it doesn't have to be the end of the story. What might God be able to do in your marriage, for example? It doesn't have to be over. Seek the Lord. Pray to Him. Turn to Him. Let Him redirect things. We say we trust God. Will trust Him in whatever it is. Trust Him. You say you do, trust Him. Put it in His hands. Don't just wallow around in self-pity as to whatever's going on. Put it in God's hands. And until you see God doing something in that situation, ask God in the meantime to give you His perspective on it. And pray and keep praying. Third thing here. Exercise faith. Exercise faith. Look at verse 9. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? But, but skip over to, to Psalm 43 a moment. He says, send out, verse 3, send out your light and your truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me to your holy hill and to your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy. I will praise you with a lyre. O oh God, my God. Again, I, I, I would encourage you to read all of Psalm 43 too. Because in, in the Hebrew scrolls they were one. But what is it that he he ends up saying about God? God, you're my rock. Do I feel it at the moment? No. But in faith, God, what do I know you are? You're my rock. There's a faith in him that there there is indeed a day coming... As stated in Psalm 43, when they are going to be back home, they're going to be back in their land, and they're going to be able to once again return to the temple and return to the altar. He knows that. And so in the psalm, he's confessing that. He's confessing by faith. He knows that's going to happen. God is his rock. He knows this. The circumstances around him, the people around him are you know have him in sorrow and defeat and doubt. He's disquieted in his heart. But he comes back around to knowing what he knows. God is his rock. And God's going to take them back. God's going to take them back to their own homeland and to the temple again. He knows that. And so he keeps saying, hope in God, hope in God, hope in God. What I'm saying is when things aren't going right as you see it at the moment and your life is topsy-turvy, you've got to go back to God's truth. He is there. He loves you, He's sovereign, He cares, He answers prayer. That's the faith you and I need to have because that's the truth that we find in God's Word. And remember what Jesus said in John chapter 8, the truth will set you free. When your emotions don't feel right, you need to go back to God's truth. Folks, emotions at any given moment cannot be allowed to shake the confidence that you have in God and in His Word. God's being, His person, His nature, who He is, the way He's communicated. That's got to be what you run back to, not your emotions. God said through Jeremiah the prophet, the heart is deceitful. Who can trust it? The heart's deceitful. You can't build your life upon the foundation of emotions. You go back to God and His truth. Who He is and what He said. You have emotions, you have feelings. God's created you with those, but... After the fall of man in Genesis chapter 3, you can't necessarily trust your heart anymore. But you can trust God and you can trust His Word. I'll give you a few examples of that. Worry and anxiety. That's emotions, right? Some of you this morning may be worried tremendously about something anxious Jesus talked about that in Matthew chapter 6 don't be anxious at the end of chapter 6 don't be anxious and and he talked there specifically about how they were anxious and kind of a hand-to-mouth existence back then maybe they weren't going to have what they needed to make it through life Jesus says don't be that's how pagans live who don't realize they have a god watching over them If God did the greater thing which is create you in his image he knit you together inside your mother's womb he made you if God did that which is the greater don't you think he can do the lesser which is look after your daily needs Jesus said sure he can In fact Jesus said you take the birds What would be considered one of the lowliest birds, the sparrow, not even one sparrow falls into the bosom of the earth, but what the Heavenly Father doesn't take notice of it. Aren't you more valuable than sparrows? Jesus said, stop worrying, stop being anxious. You've got a God who watches over you, who knows you. That's the truth that Jesus was trying to get them to focus in on instead of the emotion of anxiety and worrying about things. Go back to the truth of knowing they were God's and they were in His hands. And God's able to take care of them. Another example would be doubt. Some people live with doubt constantly in their lives. John addressed that in 1 John. First of all, there were those doubting that Jesus had come in the flesh. And what's John say about that? Oh, yes, he did come in the flesh. I was one of his apostles, and me and the other apostles, we saw him with our eyes. We heard him with our ears. We touched him. He was there. He he came in the flesh. I'm testifying of this to you. He came in the flesh. He's real. And he went to the cross. And and he died for you. And concerning assurance, he said, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Emotions, you might doubt. But John says, if you trusted in Christ... You can know. Go back to God's truth. Folks, emotions will play havoc with us at times. And we certainly see that in Psalm 42 with the sons of Korah. But what the sons of Korah did was to fall back on God's truth. God's truth is intended to be our foundation, not emotions. Now, As we saw on day one, thank God for our emotions. We're, we're not robots. Emotions are a gift from God. It's part of who we are. We relate to Him and to others through emotions. But as they said in day one, emotions are poor masters. They're marvelous servants. It's great to be able to feel and to love, but emotions are poor masters. What we have to do is bring our emotions to God, submit our emotions to God. We we, we love God, we love others, but we build our lives not on emotions, but on revelation, God's truth, and who He is. Only that, only He, can be your proper foundation and my proper foundation. And falling back on his word when we're in those dark moments like the sons of Korah were. It's falling back on revelation and praying to God that's going to help bring you through. In the darkest moments of the night. Would you bow with me in prayer please? I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody here today who has allowed your emotions to guide your life. You're hot, you're cold, you're all over the place. You're up, you're down. You go through life based on how you feel at any given moment. I I want you to see how dangerous that is. Emotions are a wonderful caboose, but emotions are a terrible locomotive. Build your life on God's truth. You can trust His Word. You can't trust your heart. I wonder if I'm speaking to somebody who has allowed emotions to ruin your relationships maybe there's people in your life you need to go to and make some things right ask for their forgiveness maybe anger has destroyed some of those relationships ask God to help you control emotions that get out of hand You know, a, a river's a wonderful thing until it leaves its banks and gets out of control. Maybe there's some ways you're like that and you've damaged a lot of relationships around you. Make it right. Maybe I'm speaking to somebody who feels God is just simply not there. You feel like you're on your own or you feel like God would never forgive you. Again, that's the deception of emotions and the human heart. Come to Him. Place your hope in Him. And as we saw in our memory verse, draw near to Him. And He'll draw near to you. Father, we thank You that You're greater than our hearts. We thank You for who You are. We thank You for Your truth. May that guide us in life. Not emotions. We thank you for emotions. But God, may we look to you, to your truth. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.